This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 150 for October 2020 with Justin Peters on discernment. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is Episode 150 for October 2020, and my guest is Justin Peters. Justin is returning for his its fourth episode, and we talk a little bit during the discussion about uh, when he's been on in the past. And Justin goes way back to nearly the beginning, and it's been a pleasure to have him on. But Justin has a ministry where he travels around a lot in different churches and has uh, does seminars on discernment. He specifically typically focuses on new apostolic and word of faith but we'll touch on uh, just general discernment, and that's the nature of our discussion for this episode. For show notes, you can check out echozoe.com slash 150, and there you'll find a detailed outline of the discussion, scriptures that we referenced during the show, uh, additional resources, and related episodes. And you can find that again at echozoe.com slash 150. Now, we are doing a, a video version of this show, and it's already been recorded, so it, it was a great discussion. I do want to warn you, if you're watching, um, I know people do tend to like to watch, if you can, if you if you want to, it's available on the website. It's in, The YouTube should be embedded at echozoe.com slash 150. But we do have some technology issues where uh, we're talking over Zoom and had some... Uh, and, Minor audio issues, but the big thing is that Justin's audio is pretty much out of sync through the entire discussion, and I haven't yet put together the edit of that. We just finished the discussion as I'm recording this, but um, I let's see if I can touch that up in post-production. If not, if it bothers you to have audio that doesn't sync up with video, there's always the audio version as usual. But uh, that is available. So thanks again. And echozoe.com slash 150. If you want to watch, if you're listening and you want to watch, otherwise, uh, check it out for show notes. And with that, here's my discussion with Justin. Justin, it is such a pleasure to have you back on Echozoe Radio. Andy, it's great to be with you, brother. It sure is. I've enjoyed our previous interviews. And so uh, thank you for this invitation. Thanks. Well, you know, I was going to ask if you even remember them because I know you travel so much and you're, you're, you're out and about with so many different people. You're meeting people all the time. And I just kind of sometimes I wonder how much are you even able to remember? Yeah, no, I do. I do remember. And, and uh, you're right. I am out and about quite a bit and then I, I do a, a fair number of interviews, but I absolutely remember oh, cool. uh, our interviews together. I sure do. So I was just looking at there's kind of a pattern going um, as far as uh, when I've interviewed you. You started off. This is episode 150. And the first time I had you on was episode seven. And oh, I do wow. one a month. So that was 143 months ago which was 
almost exactly um, 12 years ago. Wow. It was the November oh. of 2008 episode when we were sitting in Martha Mack's kitchen <laughs> before she moved to California. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I sure do. Yeah. And then you were it, then you were back 2 years later. Uh it was episode 27 in uh July of 2010. Now this is the pattern I'm noticing. Uh from episode, the first time to the second time was two years. The second time to the third time was four years. And the last time I had you on was six years ago. Oh, so eight years from now, you'll have me on again. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask is, can I just schedule you right now for the fall of 2028? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely not booked that far out. So, yeah, that's, uh, it, two, 2028, my calendar's wide open. Cool. And we'll Assuming probably be been, uh, deep in the uh, campaign season for Mike Pompeo's second term, I think. Oh, <laughs> that'd be funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's hope, let's hope it's not a uh, Kamala Harris uh, second term or whatever. My uh, goodness. Well, yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty confident this next election is going to, it's, it's going to, Trump's going to pull it out. I'm pretty confident, but. You if think he does he it, we're in a lot of trouble. And I don't know if I'll see you in eight years. Might yeah, yeah, we really are going to be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. You really think he's going to pull it out? I hope I hope so. Um, I really do. And and um, I know a lot of people are seeing, like, the polls doing the same thing they did four years ago. And a lot of people are thinking maybe they fixed the problem. And so this time we can believe them. And let me tell you, there's there's no chance. They're They're not right. <laughs> Huh. And just to give a, people a little encouragement, if you're hoping, maybe you're not a Trump fan, but for those who are listening, we're at least hoping that it's not Biden. So you want Trump because at least it's not Biden. Just, you know, you you got to look, you got to know where to look. And it's not that hard once you see it. But, you know, like what I missed, I was not a Trump fan four years ago. I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. And I was sure Hillary was going to win. But uh, what I missed was the rallies. And I, I didn't watch the rallies. I didn't really know, him, but I knew he had them and they were huge and Hillary's were not. And that was the big thing. And, and you could see a big enthusiasm gap. And that's what caused him to win was this big enthusiasm gap. Well, that gap is bigger this time. There's more mm -hmm. people out there who are going to rallies or holding rallies on their own without him. Like these big, uh, these big parades and boat parades and car parades and in places you'd never expect them. I just saw one the other day in New York city. Another one down in Southern California in Adam Schiff's district, which is very, very liberal. And so he's getting people in some some unexpected places that are showing up. And and I, that's what tells me that the polls are just wrong again. And so I'm confident, but I'm praying. Yeah, exactly. And I'm yeah. hoping that that the church uh, will take the opportunity that we're being given, you know, that the Lord has given us uh, a, a friend in the civil kingdom and we need, we in the, the redemptive kingdom need to use that to go out and, and get the gospel spread while we can. And mm -hmm. uh, while it's easier, because we certainly will always be able to share the gospel, but having that, um, that, that heavier persecution certainly, certainly will make it tougher. But yeah, so that's my yeah. big prayer. I, I want him to win, but I, I really want the church to make the best of it too. Right. Right. So. Yeah. I, I agree. I think uh, 
whether Trump is out um, this go around or four years from now, whenever that happens, there's going to be a big uh, snapback on our on the freedoms that we have. I think no doubt about it. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, definitely a possibility, and and I think that's another reason I think that we really need to take the opportunity we have to because uh, because ultimately the reason why these abject pagans are are always on the edge of taking over is because their worldview is so messed up. And, and so obviously the, the best thing we can do both politically and eternally is just get people's worldview aligned with the scriptures. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people like to go out and door knock and stuff, and I've always been kind of allergic to door knocking politically because I thought if I'm going to knock on the door, it's going to be for my King, not for my political yeah. uh, preference, you know? Right. Because that'll follow, you know, if you get people a proper worldview, if you get them aligned in, in the scriptures, then all that political stuff will follow and, and, yeah. and it'll be more lasting. It's not going to be another fight in two years or four years and stuff. So yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. You have a biblical worldview and that will absolutely preclude you from voting Democrat. I mean, you just, you can't, you can't. And I know there's a lot of people in the social justice evangelical realm right now. They're saying, oh, well, you, you know, you can't be a one issue voter. There's more to uh, being pro-life than just abortion. And there's other issues. And no, no, you, sorry. Well, <laughs> that's interesting because I've seen that pop up in the last few days too. And the, the topic for the discussion, I, I wanted to be about discernment and I wasn't, figuring that we were going to talk politics, but it might be a good place to start because I think you make some good points. And I have seen some of these more, um, I think James White tweeted out just in the last day or two about this group over at Fuller Seminary that are like pro-life evangelicals for Biden. And clearly there's some discernment issues there. And where I was hoping to start tonight was on some general discernment and Really, I, I think the people that are going to be listening to this or watching um, are, are going to be pretty well grounded in discernment. You know, they, they, we might have some differences of opinion on things, but they're going to be pretty well grounded in their scriptures. But the angle that I wanted to go was more for kind of the tougher part of it is like carrying that through to your friends and your family, uh, people who might profess Christ, but clearly have some discernment issues. They're either immature or they just never got much for discernment. Um, you know, what do you think, like, how do you deal with that? I guess is would be a good, good question. A good way to put the question is how do you, how do you relate to those people and help steer them in the direction of a, of, of a more discerning worldview, a more biblical worldview, if they're already kind of professing Christ to begin with? Yeah, and yeah, I'll tell you, there's, there, of course, most people who profess to be Christians are not. And so you have to keep that in mind that um, the majority of people who say that they are Christians are really not. They don't have a biblical worldview. But that is where it starts. You've, you've got to start with uh, the question of authority. What is your authority? And if your authority is anything but scripture, then you're on, then you've got an unbiblical worldview. You've got a very shaky foundation. And so if you don't start with Scripture as your authority, there's really no foundation to build upon. And you can't, uh, people are not going to exercise discernment. But if, if people are at least willing to say, yes, the Bible is my authority, 
then you can reason with them from the scriptures and and help uh, walk them through some of these issues and say, you know, it, you've got to you've got to study scripture. You've got to study it in its context. You cannot take scripture out of its context, and uh, because if, if you do that, then you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Mm-hmm. So study it in its proper context. Get to the meaning. Uh, does not matter what the verse means to you. Doesn't matter what the verse means to me. What matters is is what does it mean. We look at the meaning of the text, and then we formulate our worldview based upon that. And um, that's what we've got to encourage people to do. Is is um, you know not just claim to be a Christian, not just take some scripture verses out of context, but look at what the Bible actually says. What does it actually mean? And build our worldview upon that as our final authority. Uh, we've got to reject any any source of authority outside of Scripture, um, like the critical race theory, you know, mm-hmm. CRT and the, uh, all this stuff that, that, that is infiltrating into the church, uh, trying, it's, it's a Trojan horse coming in that it's a, the social justice movement, what we're seeing is it is a political movement, a leftist Marxist political movement that is disguised as a theological movement for the quote unquote church. And so um, if people don't truly have a biblical worldview, if they don't know how to read and study scripture on their own, get to the meaning, then they're going to fall for it. They're going to fall for it because I mean, it, it sounds good. You know, we should all be about justice. But what they do is they use biblical terms. They use some of our ter- terminology, but they incorporate into these terms a, a meaning that is foreign to Scripture. So they, they might use some of the same lingo that you and I would use, but, but what they mean by those terms is very different uh, than what you and I would understand or what the Bible teaches them to to mean so yeah i've i've noticed i actually had that on my list I, I i didn't tell you a whole lot about what i've been preparing for our discussion other than discernment and stuff but critical race uh, theory was uh was on my on my list and um and and i've been learning a lot more about that recently not so much from the you know christian there are some good christian ministries that talk about it and, and understand it a little bit better than average and have mm-hmm. been calling out like that you need to be aware of this. This is a, this is a problem. And like you're saying, a Trojan horse. And when I know James White talks about it quite a bit too. And, mm-hmm. and I've also been kind of learning about it. I've been astonished since uh, kind of late summer, say late July into August. Um, I've been really astonished to see that even the secular world is starting to really figure out what this is. Yeah. And, and it's really moving very quickly. And we see that like going back to the politics, seeing president Trump, shutting down critical race theory teaching in the federal yeah. government and then and then expanding that to be federal contractors and whatnot. Yep. And uh, that's another thing I'm really encouraged by because um, it's uh, it's a dangerous thing. It really is. And, and it is, like you said, it's Marxism and it's cult-like, just like you're saying, in, in that it will take terms that we're used to and it redefines them. But it doesn't tell you that it was redefining them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's a big thing. If, if you pay attention to American politics, you hear a lot about like, there's a lot of talk right now about white supremacy and this thing, this and that, and the other thing is white supremacy. And you see, um, 
groups of minorities who are called white supremacists, you know, and, and you think, how can that be? That's just crazy. Well, we're not yeah. talking about like what you and I have grown up hearing white supremacy. We think KKK hoods and people who think white people are supreme and better than everybody else. That's not what they're talking about. They're talking about our worldview. And that's how you know, they'll attack Christianity because they say Christianity is white supremacist. It's all this uh, colonialism, they'll call it, or uh, Western culture. And they're yeah. trying to to chop out the foundation of a biblical worldview under the banner of calling it white supremacist and, and whatnot. And um, it's huge. I know um, one, I think one good crossover source that I see it in is uh, once in a while, I'll, I'll watch some videos by Allie Beth Stuckey and she's, she's with blaze TV and, and whatnot, but she's, she's interesting in that she's young and, and uh, she's got a very kind of a, a pretty solid theology for somebody on more of a secular uh, format and whatnot, but she's been talking about it quite a bit. And I've seen a few other more secular sources that are starting to see it and they're starting to sound the alarm that like, this is, this is a problem, you know, mm-hmm. we're, but it's certainly, we're called even deeper as Christians when we're trying to, to, to have a biblical worldview to even more so to, to understand what this is and how it's not biblical. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And and uh, there was a study. I'm sure you saw it. It came out what a couple of weeks ago that said I think a third of evangelicals uh, believe that Jesus is a created being. Wow. Uh, maybe maybe it was even half, but it was a it was an obscenely high number of evangelicals that believe that Jesus was a created being. Well. <laughs> If you believe he's a created being, you're not even a Christian. So, um, well, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's a hallmark of the cults. I mean, we talk Jehovah's Witnesses, right, and the Mormons. Um, Mormons kind of a little bit different, but they both. Mm-hmm. I mean, very, mm-hmm. very much so. I mean, that's a hallmark of the cults. And when and and I always yeah. like to define heresy as boiling false teaching down to what you know, like where's that line between just poor teaching and and heresy. Mm-hmm. And what I like to boil it down to to make it simple on, for people is, does this teaching present a false view of Christ, either in his person or his works? Right. So if yeah. they're misrepresenting either his person or his works, that's where we get into heresy. That's at least that's the simplified uh, definition that yeah. I like to use. Yeah. Yeah. And I would agree with that. And I, I tell people that not all, uh, not all error is heresy. All heresy is error, but not all error is heresy. You know, there are there are theological issues uh, around which we can have some friendly debate. We can, you know, disagree. We can have different eschatologies. We can differ on who wrote the book of Hebrews, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, uh, but when it comes to the fundamental tenets of historical Christianity, the, the preexistence of Jesus Christ, the personal work of Christ, the atonement, um, the nature of God, the fallen nature of man, the uh, hypostatic union of Christ, one person, two natures, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, penal substitutionary atonement, these things, there's, there's, no, there's no compromise mm-hmm. on those things. We draw a deep line in the sand. And so, um, yeah, it, it's really an ironic, tragically ironic thing, Andy, that we we live in a day and age in which truth has never been more readily accessible. I mean, a couple of clicks of the mouse and you've got all of John MacArthur's 
sermons that he's ever preached for over half a century right at your fingertips. You can listen to him. Every, he's preached through the entire New Testament, verse by verse. You've got all of that within a couple of clicks of your mouse. And um, so it, the truth has, been, has never been more readily accessible. And yet we're living in a day and age in which I would submit that probably Christians have, quote unquote, you know, under that big umbrella, Christianity, um, professing Christians have never been more biblically ignorant than what we are right now. So uh, it, it's a it's a it's a sad commentary, sad state of affairs. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, one thing that well, I'm not sure where I wanted to go next. I, I, maybe I don't want to leave critical race theory because yet quite yet because I knew that blow up was that. Was that two years ago? A lot of things blew up because it was the 50th anniversary yeah. of Martin Luther King. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that was, it may have been three years ago now, but uh, yeah, the MLK 50 conference, maybe it was two years ago. Um, yeah. I don't remember. I'm, 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 I'm not, an, I mean, I, it was before my time, but I'm, I'm thinking it was 68 that he died. Yeah, 68. So I guess it was 2018. So two years ago, but yeah, the MLK 50 conference and, and, uh, yeah, that was what I guess kind of really brought all of this, um, out in the public in a, in a really concerted way. Uh, the, the, the ugly beast that is the social justice movement was kind of exposed and um, they, they really played their cards, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and, and then, and uh, so we, you know, a lot of people were alarmed, rightly so. And um, you know, some of us got together and we, we formulated the statement on social justice and the gospel. And so it's, yeah, it's been quite the, I guess it's been the issue, you know, for the last, for the last couple of years. And, one of the things, Andy, I, I don't mean to take too much time here, but no, one we of the, got all night. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> one of the things that alarms me so much about the social justice movement is that whereas the issue that I, for which I'm most well known, word of faith and, you know, charismatic, Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, Todd White, all that, uh, that's kind of what I'm known for. And I'm obviously, very concerned about that. I remain concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I teach all over the world on this issue. And so I, I haven't lost one scintilla, one ounce of enthusiasm and, and concern for this issue. But what alarms me so much about social justice is, mm-hmm. is that with, with word of faith, we've, we've got people in our churches sitting in our pew that to one degree or another, have been influenced by Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer. They have family members who have been, you know, and so it certainly uh, had an effect to varying degrees on people sitting in our pew, but we've never had any prominent names within our soteriologically reformed circles actually preaching word of faith. Mm -hmm. But with social justice, we do. With social justice, it's, it's made inroads into the into the our pulpits and uh, and and some well known names that we have always you know looked up to uh, are, are compromising on this. Um, the Gospel Coalition is, I mean, it's pretty much fully woke now, and um, and it, so it's it's made a lot of inroads into our circles and is picking off some of the 
some of the heavy hitters, if you will, to use that term, within our circles. It's, it is extremely alarming. Uh, alarming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, now I, I kind of lost uh, my, you know, as far as the gospel coalition, you know, I just kind of lost my at least my theological respect for them several years ago because it just yeah. seems like they're constantly going off the deep end and and whatnot. But um, I, I wonder. How, I mean, how much of critical race theory within the church is just people who, 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 who just don't understand completely what it is? Like they're buying the lies about, um, just about it being a justice thing rather than it being, um, you know, an, an alternate worldview, a competing worldview altogether. Yeah. Oh, I, I think the vast, vast majority of people sitting in our churches don't understand. The issue they don't uh, they may have heard about it a little bit but they don't they don't understand the origins of it what it actually is they don't understand that this is a uh, political movement disguised as a theological if they knew exactly what it was uh, I think the vast majority of people in our pews would reject it mm-hmm. I think I, I, I think we're still we can still say that they they would reject it but most people don't know. You know, they're they're not versed on critical race theory and intersectionality and cultural Marxism and all this kind of stuff. And and one of the things that hurts is you've got some some well-known evangelicals that are saying, oh, those are just scare tactics. You know, you know, we're not really Marxist. You know, that's just a, a you know, a straw man argument. You're just trying to scare people. And. Uh, no, this is, this is real. This is, this is a real, real well, that, threat. That's why I'm, you know, I, I, I see so many issues where they're, they're complex issues. This is definitely a complex issue. And so often on these comp, more complex issues like this, different people kind of get it a different way. It clicks in people's heads different ways. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think just seeing See, you know, I, I've seen Marxism for years as not just a, a a political system, but as an a theological system. And, and my own pastor has come on, and we've done a, a show on on Marxism from the theological side of things. Because the more you think about Marxism, the more you see that it really, in so many ways, is a counterfeit to the biblical worldview. You know, that, that God's going to provide for us and then, no, they say the government's going to provide for us. And, you know, you, you can walk through the line on a lot of things that, that are just fundamental, basic Christian tenets or Judeo-Christian tenets. It doesn't even have to be necessarily strictly Christian, but, but biblical. And then you'll see, like, its counterpoint in Marxism. Mm-hmm. And, and it, so it is so much deeper than just simply a political view. It's an alternative, you know, it's, um, and, and then to see what clicked with critical race theory for me is seeing that it is so Marxist and, 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 and it's not just, a, I mean, this is something you, uh, we can't flush out in, in a, an hour long podcast, you know, people really need to get on and I highly encourage people to go on YouTube and just start looking up some conservative and Christian, uh, shows that talk about critical race theory. And like I, I mentioned, Ali Best Stuckey, she's been pretty good having different guests on that really understand the roots of critical race theory. Um, 
there's a show called American Thought Leaders with uh, the Epoch Times guys. And that's more of a purely political side, a conservative political side. But they've had some really good shows, too. And talking about what are the, the origins and the goals and the objectives of critical theory and critical race theory is a subset of critical theory. Critical theory is, is all about, uh, you know, this, this class, you know, the, the Marxists are known for their class struggle. They wanted to take over by having this class struggle and then all over the world, they pit the rich against the poor and um, they tried it in America. They've been trying it for well over a century in America and they find that it, it doesn't stick in America because in America we've got mobility between our classes. So we see that, you know, even most poor people aren't really antagonistic against the rich in America like they are against the rest of the world because they hope someday to be rich in, in, in a lot of part, you know, and so they don't want to undercut the rich because then they know they'll never get there themselves. And you're kind of hurting yourself in America at least. Right. And so what they did was when, since they couldn't do a class struggle, they, they try to do things that like, what are, what kind of differences do we have in America that are not mobile? Well, a big one would be our skin color. You know, you can't change your skin color like you can work hard and change your economic class. Yeah. And so that's really what is behind a lot of that is trying to pit people because it's a, the old, the age old divide and conquer. And they're, they're trying to get people divided. Mm-hmm. And yep. since they couldn't do it economically, they'll do it through other things. They'll do it through gender. They'll do it through race. They'll do it through all those other things. And again, it's another thing where the, the alternative worldview is just never going to live up to any kind of real ideal. Whereas the, the gospel has real solid answers, you know, uh, yeah. the, the gospel answers all those things. It asks, it, it answers economic differences and it, 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 racial differences and gender differences. It answers all those things. And it brings us all to be, you know, one in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and, and that's what's so insidious about the social justice stuff and critical race theory at all is it is, it is, it's building up divisions and barriers that the gospel has already torn down. And, and it's trying to reconstruct those things. It's trying to reconstruct uh, barriers and dividing walls that the gospel has already mm-hmm. demolished. And that's the nature of the that's, gospel. That's, that's, what it that's deliberate. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. absolutely deliberate. It's not that they think they have a better way. It's their hatred for their, for God and for <laughs> all things that God has created. I'll, I'll, I mean, it, 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 God and his people, it's just a, a, an attempt to tear down both God and his people that we think we have a better way. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. That's right. Exactly. The gospel's not enough. Um, you know, and it's not that anybody in our circles, it's not that they're flat out denying the exclusivity of Christ or the deity of Christ or any of these things. They're not flat out denying these fundamental tenets. But basically what they're doing is they're saying the gospel is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, plus justice, you know, plus these things. And and uh, so they're not going to outright deny these fundamental tenets, but they're going to add something else to the gospel. Well, we also need to be concerned about systemic racism and systemic injustice and all this stuff. And and uh, anytime you say the gospel is salvation by grace through faith in Christ plus something, whatever follows that plus gets the attention. Mm-hmm. 
and guess what gets forgotten? Mm-hmm. The gospel gets forgotten. I mean, it's what's that age old attempt in, um, in, in just spreading the gospel. There's this age old dilemma where people think that they can share the gospel and spread the gospel in a way that's better than what was prescribed in scripture. Yeah. You know, they, they want to, they want to try to win culture over first or they want to befriend first or they, you know, there's always a first that they think will be the gateway to get people to the gospel in the end. And so I I think a lot of times people can go in with, with, with kind of good motives, but just not thinking through the consequences and getting away from the prescribed method. Right. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's really a, a not so subtle denial of the power of the gospel. Like the gospel needs our help and we need, we need to, we need to make it, we need to dress it up and make it look more appealing and make the gospel look more appealing and attractive to the, to the world. It's kind of a, it's kind of just like a, almost like another flavor of the, of the uh, attractional model to doing church seeker sensitive stuff. You know, we've got to make the gospel look cool and relevant and uh, mm-hmm. it's just, no, that, the gospel does not need our help. And Andy, I've been in, I've preached the gospel now in 27 different countries, some countries multiple times, but 27 different countries. Now I've been all over the world and it doesn't matter where I am, what culture I'm in, uh, what language is spoken, uh, how much they have or how little they have, or um, none of these differences matter. And, and our skin color doesn't matter. But when I am with like-minded believers in Christ, there's an instant bond there, an instant kindred spirit, an instant fellowship, an instant love for these people. I love them and they love me. And we don't care what color our skin is because we're family. We're, we've been adopted into the family of God through the merits of Christ. And the gospel breaks down all of these superficial differences. That's the beauty of the gospel. And uh, the, the social justice movement is trying to to reconstruct these <laughs> these differences and barriers that the gospel has already demolished. And, and yeah. it really is uh, an insult to the power of the gospel uh, that it that it somehow isn't enough in and of itself to you know, to bring about true reconciliation uh, or things like this. So it's, uh, it, it really grieves me. Um, and, and who, what thinking person would look at the state of evangelicalism today? Um, and even let's narrow it down even further, even our, our own theological circles, our tight soteriologically reformed circles, what thinking person would look at our circles today and say, yep, yep, we're, we're better, we're stronger, we're more unified than we were four years ago. No. I mean, the social justice movement is just absolutely wreaked havoc. And, um, and it, it is a tremendous threat. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And it's, I, it's so, I mean, when you, the more you think about it, the more you realize just it's, it's not only insidious and, and unproductive, it's really wicked. I mean, you're talking when you're talking about traveling around the world, and and there's not a care in the world for the differences in skin color. As soon as you meet up with other believers, there's a bond there. I mean, yeah. that's that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And critical theory would try to split that because they because that's considered white supremacist, or you know, that's colonialist, yeah. or whatever right. the Marxist language or Marxist term they want to use. 
is. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it's just meant as a wedge and, and, and other two otherwise brothers would be split because of this, this wicked theory. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Absolutely. And that's what you get when you bring in secular worldly philosophy and try to incorporate it into a, an institution that is inherently different and other than the world. Uh, it, it's yeah, nothing good's going to come out of that. So, you know, the, the, the top 10 things that the world could teach the church is a, is a blank list. You know, you'd have one through 10 and there's blanks by all those numbers. The, the world has nothing to teach the church, nothing to contribute I'm not interested in what the world thinks or what the world tries to, um, uh, you know, portray or, or, or foist upon me. It, it has nothing to teach us, nothing to teach us. The gospel has everything to offer it. The world has nothing to offer to us. So maybe kind of steering a little away from the, the CRT, um, you know, kind of more back to the discernment thing and, and communicating discernment. I really do think that there are there are people that are within our ranks, you know, going back and just touching on CRT, that uh, critical race theory. There are people who are um, they're, they're the tares among us, and they're using it to divide us. But there are also, I think, are just undiscerning amongst us who don't see the dangers. and And that brings me to my next question, and and I kind of touched on it before too, but. How do we break through that? I mean, if there are, if there are people who are our brothers, our brethren, they're 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 elect, they're saved, but they're undiscerning. You know, how do we help kind of crack through that shell and and bring them out so that they can see the unbiblical nature of what they're they're involved in? Yeah, well, the, if we're dealing with truly regenerate people, then you've got to. <laughs> Um, you've got every reason to hope and believe that that person will come to uh, reject error. Um, if they're truly regenerate, they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the truth should and does resonate with them. And so if we can help them see the the origins of this movement, you know, you may have heard the illustration uh, with bank tellers. You know, bank tellers know they're, they're never given counterfeit bills, mm-hmm. they just know the feel of real money so well that when a counterfeit comes across, you know, they like, oh, oh, this feels weird. And then so they're never given counterfeit money. They just know the feel of real money so well that when a counterfeit bill comes across, they immediately spot it. And that's great. That's well and good. It might work for bank tellers, but <laughs> but the the fact of the matter is is that we do need to know what what these what what these errors are. We do need to have a working knowledge of uh, the the social justice movement and CRT and and um, you know Marxism and, and we because we need to be able to to explain to our our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who may have been uh, at least for the time being kind of attracted by the new the new sparkly thing the new sparkly object over there in the corner called social justice and they're mm-hmm. kind of intrigued by. We need to say no. This is this is what this is. This is where it comes from. This is why it's unbiblical. Let's go to the scriptures and use it. Um, remember that it is authoritative. It is sufficient for everything that we need. We don't need worldly philosophy in 
bring that in. So, uh, so if they're truly regenerate, then, then, then that should resonate mm-hmm. with that person. Um, a, a genuine Christian can be in error, even, even significant error for a season, but when shown the truth, a truly regenerate person will bend the knee to that truth. And, and so they, they won't, uh, they won't kick against the goads for too long. They'll, they'll see the truth and, and respond to it. That's just what you expect with believers. So then maybe the approach is uh, kind of more almost parental in some ways where if you got yeah. a stray child to just um, be persistent and loving and, yeah. and stay with them and point them to the word and pray for them and, yeah. and just trust yes. that the Lord will bring them through in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Speak the truth in love and, and help, just help them to understand what these issues are because a lot of genuine Christians just, they don't really know that they're, they're not well-versed on the issue. And so, um, but if we can walk them through some of these things and they see the unbiblical nature of, of what this stuff is, then, uh, then they should be able to recognize it, I think, and, mm-hmm. and return to the sufficiency of scripture, that scripture is everything that we need. Okay. Well, maybe shifting gears a little bit. Um, I, I, I had uh, kind of back when we first started talking about um, doing this, I had tweeted out that I was looking forward to talking to you and wondering if anybody had questions. So I threw out questions. I didn't get a whole lot in response, but a mutual friend, uh, um, Michelle Leslie, reached out and or responded. And, oh, okay. and she yeah. thought that um, she asked me to, to, to bring up the Kanye West thing. And she said, apparently that was what pushed you off Twitter was a lot of the. <laughs> yeah. And so she was yeah. wondering about, um, well, let's talk about Kanye a little bit. Cause they're, uh, I mean, I'm sure most people probably are at least peripherally aware that Kanye West is really famous, um, performer, musician, rapper, or is he R and B? I don't know. I, I don't follow Kanye, but anyway, he came yeah. out what two years ago and, and said that he's a Christian now and he's professing and he's running around doing these rallies and, and, and actually even had, um, some some pretty good pastors following him around, and then he gets in with some not so good pastors too. But mm-hmm. what's your kind of updated thing? And you know, I'm not following Kanye. I hear these he's kind of sort of running for president against Biden and Trump. Yeah. But you know, as flat yeah. said, it's just he's running against Biden. But but as as far as his uh, like spiritual side, what would be your kind of updated take on Kanye? Well, I, I've not been in any kind of contact with him. I wouldn't have any way to do that. But, uh, but just yeah, from what you see. Yeah, from what I see, um, I, I'm very concerned. Yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned with, with what I'm seeing from him because he is, he's been very public. In fact, I did a video on my YouTube channel. It's, it's still on my YouTube channel. People can find it. Uh, I think something like it's called Lessons Learned from Kanye West or something like that. Talk about how, um, immediately after his very public profession of faith in Christ, oh, I'm a Christian now, I'm saved, and Christ is everything to me, um, he starts getting invitations from some very well-known, very public false teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, I mean, Joel Osteen, he goes to Lakewood Church and performs there at Lakewood Church. Of course, Joel Osteen obviously is a false teacher, a, a heretic, and so he he's endorsing Joel Osteen and praising Joel Osteen quite, quite enthusiastically. And so that's, mm-hmm. 
that's very concerning. Uh, he's defended T.D. Jakes, and he's even said that Mormons are Christians. So, I mean, this is a man who is obviously very, very theologically inept. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I have prayed for Kanye. I would love to think that he is regenerate. I, I don't, I, I, I don't have that confidence at all. Uh, but Andy, one of the things that was so disconcerting to me about the whole Kanye thing, um, a couple of things. We had people in our circles jumping on this Kanye West bandwagon. Oh, this is so great. You know, unless, you know, we're going to get this album. Uh, what was it? Jesus is King or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and we had, we had people in our circles that were, promoting this and promoting Kanye and talking about how he's a Christian now and oh this this album is so good and the lyrics are so good and all that and you know and and he's doing these Sunday services and and all this I mean he right out of the gate he is leading worship well <laughs> uh the the bible has a problem with that mm-hmm. uh you know it, uh, an elder and granted we're not talking about Kanye West being an elder in in a church or anything but First uh, Timothy three six, an elder must not be a new convert. And so, even though we're not talking about him being an elder, he's as a new convert at best. And I, I again, I, I don't, I have grave concerns about that um, mm-hmm. because of the direction I've seen him go. But uh, even theoretically, let's just say theoretically, he was, or, or anybody who is a new convert. I don't, I don't care who you are. If you're a brand new convert, you shouldn't be in a position of leadership. You shouldn't be out there in behind the pulpit. You need to be in front of the pulpit, sitting in the pew and learning. Mm-hmm. You know, immediately after your your conversion, that's not the time to start going out and and preaching as he's done or leading worship, you know, uh, th- that's not the time for that. At best, you're a baby Christian and, and you, you need, to, <laughs> you need to be in the pew. You need, you need to learn, yep. uh, not, not out leading. And, and we've seen the dangers of that. And I'll say this too. Uh, it's, it's been the worst thing for Kanye to be thrust into the spotlight. That is the worst possible thing that could have happened to him. Uh, and, and people around him, if they were, if they truly cared about him, uh, they would recognize that. And if they themselves were mature believers, they would recognize that they would say, Hey, Kanye, this is man. I rejoice in, in what the Lord seems to be doing in your life. But, uh, this isn't the time to be leading you. Let's, let's find you a good doctrinally sound church, join that and, you know, sit in the pew and, and learn and be taught. And, you know, maybe, maybe later down the road, that time will come, but, but it's not right now. It's not mm-hmm. now. And, and Kanye has done just a lot of, a lot of damage, um, by the things that he has said. And, um, cause everybody thinks he's a Christian now. And, and so he's. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I have like, so I haven't followed. I mean, I hear a little bit of here and there, almost nothing <laughs> since probably since that album came out, I haven't really heard a lot. I haven't followed. I never yeah. really followed closely. I thought it was interesting. I, and I was kind either. of, a, yeah. you know, just like anybody else, I, I pray that hopefully it's, it's a, it's a real conversion and um, we'll see time will tell kind of thing and, and um, welcome him into the church and help him grow. And in time we'll know, you know, just like any other believer, you know, you don't, you don't really know anybody's true conversion right away anyway. Yeah. And yeah. 
but not, I mean, because I don't follow along so much, you know, and, and I'm just kind of curious and, and I don't know that maybe there's an answer to this, but how much of it is, um, is could be false conversion versus just a flat out immaturity. You know, I look at my own background, you know, that first year or two that I was saved, three years that I was saved, I wasn't discerning on people like Joel Osteen. You know, I, I watched a few Joel Osteen things and some of those people on TBN and didn't quite understand what was wrong with it for a while. And it took a little bit of maturity to get to that. And, um, yeah, I spent, I was in college and, and initially, you know, my kind of my zeal said I should drop out of college and go be a missionary somewhere, somewhere, you know, yeah. and, 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 and I, I prayed and I kept going to church and reading my Bible and whatnot. And I kind of felt, you know, I, I certainly don't want to go down that line of God speaking to me. You know, that's another discernment issue, but, yeah. but in my immaturity, I eventually came to the point where I thought, well, I think the Lord at least is, you know, one way or another, he's leading me to just take it easy and he'll take care of it. Providentially, you know, in my maturity, I realized that was providence that he's gonna, he's gonna do his work in me and the way he's gonna do it and, and just give it time and, and, uh, allow him to do that. But, uh, but certainly, certainly I think, um, both real and false coverage, I think, go through a, a zeal phase for a while. Yeah. 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 They do. They do. Uh, we've heard the term cage stage, like when. <laughs> comes to an understanding of the doctrines of grace and they embrace it. It's kind of a cage stage. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, there, there certainly is. And uh, uh, time, you're right. Time will tell uh, regarding Kanye's conversion. I've, I've seen enough where I, as I say, I am very concerned, but um, the, the people who have encouraged him and given him a, a platform and, and, uh, that I tell you, they ought to know better. They they ought to know better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kanye doesn't. He doesn't understand those things. Clearly, doesn't understand those things. So, um, yeah, I, one thing that would give me great encouragement about his conversion is if he did exactly what we've been talking about. If he did say, "Wow, you know." There's so much I don't know. And uh, these these things we're talking about, these are eternal matters, matters of, of people's eternal destinies. And and I don't know enough right now to to be weighing in on these things. I need to learn. And if I saw that from him, if I saw from him a willingness, like if he, would, if he had just joined some little doctrinally sound church somewhere out there, I guess, I guess he has a place in Wyoming. And uh, if he were to join that church and just, submit to the teaching there and the, the leadership and the, of the uh, elders. And uh, if, if that's what I was seeing, if I was seeing him, you know, proverbially seeing, you know what I mean? But if that's what I heard that he was doing and I, I and I realized he was, he's, he's not out there in the, in the limelight and the spotlight, he's not leading, but I knew he was in a church learning on a regular basis. I mean, like, wow, that's, that's great. That's, that's really encouraging. That's what you would expect to see. But, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and Andy, another thing is I don't get this, this tendency that so many of us have to jump onto the, the latest bandwagon of some evangelical who supposedly got saved. I mean, how many times have we been burned on this? Mm-hmm. These evangelicals that suppose, I mean, excuse me, these celebrities that supposedly get saved, you know, 
I remember when I was in seminary, the big news was that Jane Fonda got <laughs> got saved. I can remember hearing that about that in seminary, and uh, I don't remember hearing that, but that yeah, that would uh, that would yeah. that would be interesting. Yeah, Jane Fonda made a profession of faith in Christ. You know, she supposedly got saved about twenty or so years ago, and um, that didn't that didn't last. Uh, you know, Justin Bieber was supposedly a Christian. Uh, Britney Spears was. In fact, I, I I went to seminary with a guy who was Britney Spears' youth minister back when she lived in, you know, when she was growing up in Louisiana. Uh, she claimed to be a Christian, and uh, I mean, there's just a long list of these celebrities that that make this profession of faith in Christ. But I mean, within no time, they just flame out mm-hmm. and, and they bring reproach on the gospel. And you would think at some point we would learn, like, yeah. you know, a, a little caution might be in order here, <laughs> might be wise to be cautious with this before we start promoting these people and making a big deal out of, Oh, this celebrity became a Christian, yeah. you know, uh, and it really it it leaves us with egg on our face, rightly so, and it brings yeah. reproach on the gospel. So, yeah. but yeah. then it's it, it also demonstrates that they're people just like the rest of us. I mean, we're all in the same condition, the same predicament, mm-hmm. and um, you know whether it's celebrities or you know I, there's just a handful of people I can look back to, just friends growing through high school or or college or wherever, where this is a similar kind of thing. You know, they, they go through a phase where they yeah. maybe got a tract or something and, or went to a, mm-hmm. went to an evening service somewhere and, and was really taken in by something. I remember uh, a friend from high school that was kind of whipped up about rapture and, you know, not a believer at all, but all of a sudden whipped up about rapture and Jesus is coming back and whatnot. And, and really taken in, and it was it didn't last very long. It was gone. Yeah. It was, you know, it was the parable of the soils kind of thing. But whether they're yeah. just average yeah. people like you and me, or, or celebrities, or not, that that the soil applies to all of us. Yeah, yeah, it does absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, the rocky soil can can put forth some you know pretty good looking vegetation there for a little while, mm-hmm. and until the, the the trials of life come out and you know, scorch it, because there's there's no depth. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I've got a few other notes. I don't think we're going to get to all of them, but um, one I thought would be a good thing to touch on is maybe the flip side of on discernment, and that is, um, where does it go too far sometimes? Like, where do like when you get into things like um, maybe uh, you're separating a little too early? Or mm-hmm. you're separating over non-essential things, you know, like where, where do we, how, how do we better hone that understanding so that we don't fall into that trap? Yeah, I, I would uh, approach this from a, a couple of different, address maybe a couple of different issues. There, there is a, there is a ditch on discernment. There, there is the, the one ditch where, you know, Everything, sunshine, lollipops, and unicorns, and there, you know, there's nothing to be worried about. Everything's great. Call yourself a Christian; it's all good. <laughs> well, that's one ditch. Uh, but the other ditch is is that you become too fixated on it, and you begin making, uh, you begin drawing lines in the sand on issues that we really shouldn't be drawing lines in the sand mm-hmm. over. And um, I mentioned earlier in our interview, eschatology. You know. Mm-hmm. It's not that eschatology is not important. It is important. It is a, a, an important issue, but it's not a salvific issue. It's right. not something that we divide over, that we break fellowship over. 
And I think John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul modeled that for us Mm -hmm. very nicely. They were very good friends, absolutely united in the gospel. Um, but they had different eschatologies, mm-hmm. uh, but, they, but they were good friends. To, and so, to a degree, I guess, you know, we, yeah. we would, we would eventually reach some limits. I, I totally agree with you and I don't mean yeah. to contradict you whatsoever, but, um, you know, if we start talking to somebody, for instance, who's a full preterist, you know, that, that would be, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be a problem. You know, you're going to yeah, yeah. deny the resurrection and the future resurrection oh, yeah. and whatnot, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess the yeah, difference yeah, between amillennial partial preterist R.C. Sproul versus the premillennial pre-trib uh, John MacArthur, you know, we, we yeah. definitely wouldn't break fellowship with. Right. No. You, yeah. We you don't break fellowship over things like that. You know, uh, Jim Osmond, my pastor in Idaho, before we moved recently, uh, uh, he and I are right down the line on every single doctrinal issue. The only thing that we differ on, I, I think, is is that I'm, he believes that Matthias was a real apostle and I'm not, I'm not convinced that he was. <laughs> so we kind of needle heretic. each other. On that. You're I know. a heretic. Yeah. Heretic. <laughs> turn or burn, Jim. No. So it's, uh, you know, we kind of needle each other on that, but you know, mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's an inconsequential thing, you know? And, and, uh, so we, you, you don't draw a line in the sand over these issues that aren't, primary that aren't that don't go to the to the gospel itself you can have preferences certainly um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna look for a church that shares my eschatology i'm gonna join Mm -hmm. that church before i would join a church that maybe is with me on every other thing except eschatology and if all things being equal if i had two to choose from yeah i'm gonna go to a church that that shares my eschatology eschatological views but Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, if I'm in an area where I don't have a church and there's not a church that shares my eschatological views, but they're right on everything else. And I agree with them on everything else. Of course. Yeah. I'll go mm-hmm. worship there. Absolutely. So, um, but here's the question. Would you, if you're far enough out in the country and it's the only thing you got, would you go to an OPC church? OPC? Orthodox Presbyterian. Oh, oh so, okay. Like the descendants <laughs> of, uh, was it the guy that started? It was it. Oh. Uh, what was his name? The guy that wrote Christianity and Liberalism. Uh, what was his name? I, I can't remember. Early, early twentieth century guy that was out of uh, I want to say Princeton. Hmm. Oh man, call me Christianity and Liberalism it was uh, Jay Gresham Machen. Okay. Machen. Okay. I think Machen started. Yeah. You know, and then like, okay. uh, you know, good guys like uh, R. Scott Clark. Uh, he's an OPC. You know, yeah. Their theology is awesome. They're solid, but they baptize babies and they're amillennials. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And and honestly, um, honestly, the the baptism of babies is a, is a, a more significant issue for me even than eschatology, but because I just don't see that in scripture at all. But uh, but anyway, uh, would I. Yes. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would, I would, <laughs> I would hold my nose and, and, and try to, yeah. Uh, if there were absolutely no other options. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 They've I, got a little but, bit different worship style too, than than we more Baptist oriented people are used to. Yeah. Yeah. A bit more liturgical and singing yeah. Psalms and whatnot. Than, yeah. You know. Yeah. More of a hot church. Yeah. 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 But, but, uh, solid theology, these guys, I mean, I I can't tell you how much I admire Scott Clark. 
you know, despite my differences on his, yeah. some of, some of those core things, you know, right. he challenges right. me and, and that's good. Yeah. He challenges me in a good way. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've, I've benefited greatly from some men who, uh, would differ with me on, on eschatology and things like that. Uh, so yeah, I would, mm-hmm. but, uh, now you but, add, add any works into that salvation. <laughs> No, then, then we're in a in a different ballgame. Um, but I guess the bigger a- angle to the question was not so much picking apart, um, you know, kind of minor um, issues within different denominations, but but rather, um, I, I I see sometimes, especially you know, discernment ministries. I think a lot of discernment ministries start off really solid and really good, and then yeah. they eventually find that they've kind of played out the issue that they rose on. And then they need to start turning their their arrows mm-hmm. in other directions, and before you know it, they're taking shots at pretty solid brothers and sisters. Everybody, yeah, and, yeah. and, and they're drawing the circle so small that eventually, you know, like they they have only got one one foot in it in their own circle because it's so <laughs> small. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yep, yeah, that is a danger, Andy. It, it really is. There, and I've seen that happen a lot. Um, I've seen that happen a lot. Unfortunately, it's 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 sad, and then. Um, I really try to make the opening verses um, of Jude my guiding principle in discernment. Mm-hmm. Jude opens his letter and he says, Beloved, I made every effort to write to you about our common salvation, but I found it necessary to write to you and exhort you to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints because certain men have crept in unawares or unnoticed. And uh, in other words, what Jude was saying, he said, brothers, to paraphrase him here, brothers, I wanted nothing more than to write to you about the gospel, write to you about our common salvation. That's what I wanted to do. That's my heartbeat. I just wanted to write to you about the gospel, but I found it necessary to write to you, to exhort you to earnestly contend for the faith because certain men have crept in unnoticed. And so what he was saying, you know, I wanted to write about the gospel, but this was necessary. Unfortunately, this was necessary. It grieved Jude that there was this pressing need to warn his readers about false teachers. And it's interesting, Andy, when you look through the New Testament, 26 of the 27 books in the New Testament directly warn about false doctrine and or false teachers. Only the book of Philemon has nothing to say about either one of those things. So 26 of the 27 books. So so warning about false doctrine and false teachers is a necessary task. We're commanded to do it. It's not optional. But we must do this. I just want to challenge you, even on Philemon, especially in light of contemporary issues going on, we're going to circle back to that critical race theory. Well, yeah. And you know, Philemon was really about... A slave returning to his master. Sure. And yeah. Obviously, it's different issues than we Americans are, you know, have on our minds yeah. and whatnot. But uh, I mean, yeah, yeah you could take it's the interesting that even that one book. Yeah, I'm talking about a, a direct reference, right? A yeah. direct reference about false doctrine. Yeah, direct I, reference. Sorry, about I don't false mean to. I don't mean to gotcha. My my 13 year old does stuff like that. I don't. That's yeah, not no, what I no. Mean. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying in in 26 and 27, you've got direct, clear warnings about false doctrine 
and or false teachers. I keep mm-hmm. saying and or because some books you would see one or the other, but most of them you'd see both. Sure. Uh, so anyway, but only Philemon doesn't have anything to say directly about it. Mm-hmm. You take the opposing viewpoint of the truth that is taught, and then it's, you know, then yes, indirectly. But mm-hmm. so anyway, it, it's not an option. Warning about false teachers is not an option. It's a command. We must do it, but it is a task that should grieve us that it is necessary to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tell people, like with my own seminar, Clouds Without Water, addressing the word faith, New Apostolic Reformation, I uh, I enjoy doing it in the sense that by God's grace, I see people being helped by it. I see God using it to open people's eyes, and God is delivering people out of this deception, and I rejoice in that. Uh, but I can also say with a clear conscience that I wish that my seminar was not necessary. Mm. I would love nothing more than to wake up tomorrow morning and see where Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland, Joel Osteen and Todd Watt and Bill Johnson and, you know, Heidi Baker and all these others have repented. Uh, I would love that. I wish my seminar wasn't necessary. And so with some of these people, excuse me, who are known for having discernment ministries, you get the sense from some of them that, that if there wasn't somebody to go after, they would be disappointed, you know. Well, and, and that's why I, 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 I know I brought up noticing that pattern where they start out where they've got a really solid issue that they're they're right on, like they do so well on this one issue, and then all of a sudden they splash onto the stage, and they've got mm-hmm. this huge audience, and they've got a big following, and 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 then they, I think a lot of times people will take that all of a sudden big exposure and they'll, they'll rightly leverage that to try to get more good teaching out. But eventually sometimes they get so kind of, they kind of burn it out, you know, where they've, they've taught what they need to teach and, but, but they don't really want to kind of pull back again and not Mm -hmm. be on the forefront of, of everybody's attention. And before you know it, they, you know, they're looking for what's the next thing I can go after and the next thing I can go after. And, and, and that circle of fellowship, get smaller and smaller and smaller until, like I said, you're so small, they, they can only put one foot in it themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and so if, if you ever, if you ever get to the point where it, it's like discernment is all you think about and error is all you think about and going after somebody is all you ever think about, then that's error too. You know, mm-hmm. you've gone into the other ditch and that's a dangerous place to be. If you ever get to the point where you would, your life would have no meaning. And, and if you would not, you know, there, there, if there wasn't somebody to go after, you would be disappointed, then you're in a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I encourage people read Jude, uh, those opening verses there, one through three and, uh, and see Jude's heart in discernment, necessary task, but a task that should at some level grieve us that it is necessary to do in the first place. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Justin. I, um, I could talk to you for another hour at least, but I uh, did want to keep it around an hour. So, uh, okay. so I think we'll we'll kind of at least move towards wrapping up. But I like to end. Uh, you kind of brought up what, what's my typical closing question is just about your ministry and where else people can go for. You talked about clouds without water and when I talk a little bit in closing about your ministry and then maybe some if there's any parting thoughts that might have popped up that we didn't get to that you that you'd want to throw in before we close. 
Sure, sure. Thank you, Andy. Uh, yeah, my website is justinpeters.org, justinpeters.org. And so um, all my stuff is there, contact information, preaching schedule, resources, uh, statement of faith, all that good stuff uh, is there. Some articles I've written, videos I've done. Uh, so that's how people can reach me. And I would just say that what I really try to impress upon people in my ministry is the sufficiency of Scripture. Uh, we have fought the battles, at least theoretically, over inerrancy in the 70s, early, mid-80s. Those battles were fought, and at least theoretically, they were won. But um, but the flip side to inerrancy is sufficiency. And really, you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. But but uh, there's a lot of people who would say, oh, yeah, we believe the, the Bible is inerrant but they they wouldn't affirm sufficiency. So those are two sides of the same coin, even though most people, a lot of people don't realize to, to make that connection. But but that is where the real battle is being fought today is over sufficiency. Is God's word sufficient? In every form of theological mischief out there in the evangelical world can be directly tied to an abandonment of the sufficiency of Scripture that it is everything that we need, whether we're talking about word of faith, charismatic abuses, new absolute reformation, or we're talking about theological liberalism, social justice, all of the, all of these things, Roman Catholicism, anything, all, it can all be tied, boiled down to an abandonment of the sufficiency of God's word. And we've got to reclaim that. Yeah. Well said. Thank you so much. All right. So, and then uh, one thing you didn't mention that I want to throw in, you are a member uh, a co-member of the Christian podcast community. Right? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. And I think I was just chatting with Andrew probably a week ago. It was before we were going to do this, what, a week ago, a week and a half ago, and uh, it didn't work out. So we rescheduled for tonight. But um, when I was chatting with Andrew, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that and I was kind of wondering, well, he's on there, but where's his podcast? Like, where, where are yeah. you bringing out some more episodes? <laughs> I know it's coming. In fact, I was working on some on some of that today. Actually, it it is it is coming. It, it seems like every time I try to get serious about that, another rabbit jumps up, and I got another iron in the fire. But it, it it Lord willing, it will be coming very very shortly. So, and then and, the name and, of my podcast is Didache, Didache, which is Greek word for teaching or doctrine. Didache. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's coming. I promise. <laughs> cool. Well, it's and then if. Uh, if not Didache, then uh, you do pop in occasionally. We do a once a month episode, uh, one month, a, one episode a month uh, called the Theology Throwdown. It's the overall Christian podcast community group podcast, and uh, I think I've been on. Uh, I think I've been on two, and I know you were on at least one that I was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've been so, on a few of those, so, and so yeah. they're fun. They're they're but fun they episode. Yeah, I enjoy them. Yeah. So, uh, so Andrew usually, or or um, uh, sorry, what's the other guy's name? Uh, is it Anthony Russo? Um, Silvestro. Silvestro. Yeah, they'll yeah. send out an email usually, and they'll tell us. Well, it was going to be a. That's why I'm not on all the time. Is I'll, I'll, sometimes I just don't have time. I it, something's going yeah. on, but sometimes it's well, the topic is something that I don't like to be on things where I don't feel like I've got something to offer. You know, if, sure. or if I'm, 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 I'm just going to go on and talk to, I'm going to talk just to talk and I'll let other people have yeah. that. But, um, yeah, so it's, there's some fun ones. Uh, I mean, they're all good topics, but, um, oh. it's a fun show. 
Yeah, it is. I've enjoyed it the times I've been on there. So, cool. Lord willing, I can pop in again before too long. Another one. Yeah, they were going to do one last night, and then it got canceled at the last minute. And that was one that um, I, I probably was going to skip just cause, on a topic basis because they were going to talk about foster care and adoption, and which is an awesome topic. It's it's a great thing. Yeah. And I just I don't know what I have to offer other than I'm I'm for it. <laughs> you know, right? That, yeah, that'd be me. Yeah, I'm all for it, but I don't I don't. It's not a an area that I have any expertise in. So, so but uh, all for it for sure. Cool, Justin. Well, thanks so much. And I appreciate you coming on again. And uh, so you're on the schedule for, uh, should we say October or November 2028? Let's do uh, October 28 might be a little bit better for me. Yeah. October. (laughs) Well, I'm going to close the show with, if I don't forget, I shouldn't forget this time. I usually like to close the show um, with the Reformation polka because the, you know, the end of October is, is a celebration of the Reformation, right? Yeah, so yeah, true. I get you on a couple of Reformation polka episodes that way. So okay, sure, <laughs> Lord willing, of course. Yeah, cool. and 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 I'll I'll try to if you want to I'll try to I'll try to fit you in even before 2028. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean I don't want to imply that that you're tough. I mean you every time I've asked you've come on. It's not like you're unavailable. No, I, I like to be available. I, I enjoy visiting with people and talking with people, and uh, uh-huh. so it's it's a it's a pleasure to do it. Uh, yeah, my uh, my big Achilles heel in my ministry is that I'm overwhelmed with um, emails, and it's it's hard. I just I can't I can't keep I up with all that all that come in. So yeah, but uh, I miss some stuff. But I but I enjoy these things. So well, I, like well, I greatly appreciate it. I always love. Uh, I love every episode, but I appreciate everybody's time and I appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for doing it. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate you, brother. Keep up the good work. Thanks. All right. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. Well, that wraps up episode 150. Thanks again for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. And for show notes, you can check out echozoe.com slash 150. Also, check out echozoe.com uh, for links to our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Parlor, and YouTube. So follow, like, subscribe, circle, uh, click, um, uh, all those wonderful things of all those different things, those different platforms for Echozoe Ministries. And also, I don't usually bring it up very often, but don't forget that we have email alerts. And if you go to the website, um, you can sign up for emails where you'll get once a month, you'll get one email just alerting you to new episodes. And um, your email is safe with us. Uh, not going to use that for anything other than alerts. Nobody else sees it. doesn't go anywhere. So um, it's pretty safe, and you can unsubscribe anytime you want. So um, it's all automated there at the website. But uh, thanks for listening, and we'll close the show, as I mentioned, with Justin, with uh, as we do every October, or if I don't forget, which this year I haven't, we'll close the show with the Reformation Polka. Then I was just a younger man, 
I study canon law Though earth earth was a challenge T'was just to please my pa Then came a storm, the lightning struck I called upon Saint Anne I shaved my head, I took my vows in Augustinian Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation Speak your mind against them and face excommunication Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation The papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation When Tetzel came near Wittenberg, St. Peter's prophet's sword So I wrote a little message for the All Saints bulletin board You cannot purchase merit for we're justified by grace Here's ninety-five more reasons, Brother Tetzel, in your face O papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation Speak your mind against them and face excommunication Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation With papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation They love my tracks, adored my wit, all were exemplar The Pope, however, hauled me up before the Emperor. Are these your books? Do you recant? King Charles did demand. I will not change my diet, sir. God help me, here I stand. Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation. With papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Frederick took the wise approach, responding to my words, knighting George's hostage in the kingdom of the birds. Use Brother Martin's model if the languages you seek. Stay locked inside a castle with your Hebrew and your Greek. O papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation. With papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Let's raise our signs and concord books together in this place And spread the word that Catholic is spelled with lowercase The word remains unfettered when the spirit gets a chance So come on Katie, drop your loot and join us in our dance Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation Speak your mind against them and face excommunication Nail your theses to the door, let's start a reformation With papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation